Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. That's the love of a father. That is a devoted love. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. Listen to this. Psalm 56, 8. You have, you have kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? That God watches you as you struggle and you toss and you turn at night, struggling with your issues, struggling with that dis- decision, struggling with that pain, struggling with that betrayal. Struggling with that temptation. God is watching you in that place and he's noticing. And then the psalmist wrote that you've kept my tears in your bottle. And so here's the thing. I can't answer this question for you, but I'm going to pose the question. I don't know how many tears this represents for you. I don't know how much heartache, how much shame, how much guilt, how much betrayal this represents for you. But the scripture says this about it, that he keeps a bottle with your name on it. And he notices every single time you suffer. And then the scripture says that he has a book and that this book is like a journal that has your name on it. And he takes note of those times when you're suffering. He keeps it that you have his attention. David would pray this. He would pray thus. He would pray, God, please keep me as the apple of your eye, the object of your affection. That's what I want to be. And that's what you are this morning. How many of you know what a helicopter parent is? Raise your hand if you know what a helicopter parent is. How many of you know a helicopter parent? A helicopter parent is called a helicopter parent because they hover over their kids all of the time right? Their kids are never outside of their sight. They're always making sure they don't want them to get hurt. They don't want them to get in trouble. They don't want them to, whatever it is. So they hover and because they hover, they're called helicopter parents. Listen to this. This is how intimately God knows you. Psalm 139, oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. Does that sound attractive to anyone here this morning? Do you feel maybe like there's no one who understands me? There's no one who gets me? Well, the Bible says right here, you know what? There is one person who understands you, one person who gets you, right? Lord, you have searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. It's like you hear my thoughts. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you have known it altogether. You know what I'm going to say before I say it? Do you have anybody that you're close enough with that you can actually complete their sentences for them, right? That you know them that well? Well, this is like another level, another layer of that because God knows the word that you're going to speak before you even begin to speak it. That's how intimately he knows you. That's how his attention is focused upon you. Listen to this. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? The amount that you think of me, how well you know me, your affection and your love that is being focused on me at all times. It's like beyond me. I can't even imagine it. It's too high, it's too lofty a thought for me to think of. I just don't understand why you would take notice of me. 
he says. Why would you love me like that? And aside from that, where could I even go to escape your presence? You're gonna follow me. You're like the ultimate helicopter parent, right? Where can I go to flee from your presence? I can't. He would go on, he'd say, if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I go to the depths of the earth, you're there. If I go to the depths of the sea, you're there. I can't flee from your presence. You're always there watching over me. That is the love that God has for you. The Bible begins, in the beginning God created, the gospel begins for God so loved. If you're gonna understand the gospel, you have to understand the God of the gospel. You have to understand that the gospel, the message of victory, the message of salvation, the proclamation of deliverance, it was God's idea. This is God's thought. This is God's proclamation. No one else's. It was his and his alone to make, and he chose to make it. And it begins with the idea God. And his love for you, his devoted love for you. So we see, for God so loved. Let's look at that second word there in John 3, 16. God so loved. You understand, don't you, that in our culture, the word love is thrown around so flippantly. It's the most overused word in the English vocabulary. I'm convinced of it, right? And, you know, there's been a lot of overused words in our vocabulary, right? In the 60s, it was far out. And then in the 70s, it was groovy. And in the 80s, it was radical. And then in the 90s, it was probably like something like cool. And then in the 2000s, it was sick. And now there's this word cringy, right? How many of you don't really like the word cringy too much, right? The other night, my youngest daughter, we, we drove into dinner and it was busy. And she walks in and she says, man, this place is popping. And I'm like, and so here's the dad in me, like, taking a mental note, popping. Okay, I got to use popping again sometime. And so we drive to go get some frozen yogurt after dinner. And so, again, the Menchie's just, like, packed. And so I said, man, look at this place is popping. <laughs> and she's like, dad, that's so cringy. <laughs> like, you just aren't allowed to say that, right? But there are words that in our vocabulary that they get overused. Those are some of the words. But love, I think, kind of transcends them all. Because we use the word love to speak of our wife and to speak of our children and to speak of our pet and to speak of our truck and to speak of our lunch. And how can we use the same word to describe those things? Because here's the thing, if you feel the same way about your child as you do your tacos that you're going to eat at lunch, there's something wrong right? If you use the same word love to express your emotions for your wife that you do for your pet dog, there's something wrong and you need to call and make an appointment with the church staff so that we can talk about your marriage. Because you shouldn't feel the same thing you do for your wife as you do for your dog, but we use the word so flippantly. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. Do you really love? Not really the way God intends the word to be used. And in the Greek, the language is so much more descriptive. And so there's four main words that were used for what we speak of as love. There's phileo, which is like a brotherly love between family. There's storge, which is like an admiration or respect between people. There is eros, which is a sensual, physical love. And then there is agape, which is a godlike love that has no strings attached. That's how God loves you. God doesn't love you like you love your tacos. God loves you with no 
strings attached. Understand this. You have nothing really that you can offer to God. There's nothing that you can give him that he needs. There's nothing that he gets in return for just showering you with his love and with his grace. There's nothing, right? And so the way the world loves and the way that we love are two very different things. And what I want you to see in this, and actually if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 so we can look at this. Hopefully briefly. In this description of what love should look like, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth who's, they're really behaving badly. And so he's saying, listen, you're not behaving right. And so he has to describe what love is not as much as he has to describe what love is in this text. Okay, and I want you to see that because it's important for us to grasp that you, from where you sit today, you might need to hear what love does not look like as much as you need to hear what love does look like because you're not loving the right way right? Now, God's word is going to give us this description of what love looks like. And I want you to understand as we go into this, that the love that the world offers is not like the love that the father's trying to bestow upon you today, not like that devotion that he has for you. So let's look at this. First Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse four, we're going to look at what love is not first and come back to what love is. So for the sake of reading this in context, love is patient. Verse four, Love is kind. We'll come back to that. Love does not envy, is not jealous, literally is not competitive. Love is not competitive with the person that you're supposed to be loving. It's not a competition, right? It's not a challenge to see who's going to meet whose needs unless you're trying to meet the person's needs that you're supposed to be loving. It's not a competition. Love is not envy. It does not boast or brag or speak loudly. It's not arrogant or constantly thinking of itself. It's not rude or shameful or disgraceful. It does not insist upon its own way. It is not irritable or easily provoked, drawn into an argument, and it is not resentful, literally keeping a record of right and wrong. That's what love is not. It does not rejoice, or excuse me, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Okay, that's a description of what love is not. Here's the thing. The love that the world has to offer is two things I want you to write down. The first thing is selfish. And I want to make sure that as we talk about this, that you're not loving this way because this is not how God intends for you to love. It's selfish. I, I remember one time I was driving around, two stories actually. First was with my older daughter, Kyla. And she was about six years old. Don't hold it against her today because, you know, everybody goes and they tell my kids the stories and then my kids come home and they hate me, right? So here's the thing. She was about six years old and I remember driving with her and she said, Dad, would it be okay if I married a cop one day? And I thought, my dad was a cop. My uncle was a cop. My grandpa was a cop. I come from a family of cops. I have no problem if you want to marry a cop. So I say, you know what, sweet, I think that would be great if you wanted to marry a cop one day. We keep driving for a little while, and then she says, Dad, how much do cops make? <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, all right. Now, it, that is not what love looks like. Right? My other daughter, I don't know where they get this from. It must be from their mother, right? <laughs> driving with Abigail 
And she's just been kind of like doing some baking and some cooking with her mom and with her grandma, with Muti. And so she's really excited about that. And I, I wanted to have this conversation with her at a young age, like kind of instill it within my girls that you can be anything you want to be. Don't let anyone ever tell you you can't do something, right? And so I'm talking to my daughter, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, I want to get married just like mom, right? And I thought, that's good. No problem, right? No problem. But you could be anything you want to be. Right? You don't have to depend upon a man for anything. That's what I'm, you know, I'm trying to get my daughter to that point, right? You can be anything you want to be. You could even become a chef because, you know, she's been into all of the cooking and everything. And silence for a little while. I'd say like two minutes. And then my daughter in her four-year-old brain, she says, you know what I'm going to do, Dad? I'm going to marry a chef. Right? I'm going to kill two birds. Now I don't have to cook and I have a husband. Right? Again, what can I get out of this? How does this benefit me? That's not love. God loves you with no strings attached. He's not waiting to get something in return. He lavishes you with that love because he sees worth in you. Did you hear that? Because he sees worth in you. So the love of the world is selfish. The love of the world is also manipulative. And any of you who are parents in this room who have ever heard your children say, oh, I don't love you anymore when you have to rebuke them. How many have ever heard this? Well, you're not going to be my mommy or daddy anymore unless I get that for breakfast, Right? Like, that's a manipulative kind of love. It's like in their sin nature. I'm not going to give you my affection. I'm not going to love you as I'm supposed to unless you first meet my needs. And the problem with a lot of marriages, listen to me, is that's the way you're loving. I will not love you unless you meet my needs first. And you need to understand that God has not called you into that marriage so that your needs can be met. God has called you into that marriage to meet the other person's needs. How are you loving? How have you received from God his love? Now, let's look at what God's love looks like. We see what it's not. What is God's love looks like? It looks like this, verse four again. Love is patient and it's kind. The word patient means to endure. It means to hold fast even in the face of provocation. Even when the person's spitting in your face, even when the person is stabbing you in the back, even when the person is lying to you that you don't leave because your love is patient. Listen to what the scripture says about the patience of God's love. Psalm 36, verse 7. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Your love is steadfast. That's literally what the word means, patient. Steadfast means to be loyal. It means to be unfailing. It means to be devoted. God, your love is devoted, the scripture says. God, your love is devoted to me, is what my Bible says, is what your Bible says. Right? It is kind. The word kind means to be filled with grace and mercy. Are you loving people like that? Are you allowing God to love you in that way that it's full of grace and of mercy? Not keeping 
record of wrongs, not keeping track of how people have, have wronged you or what they've done to you that has hurt you. It's full of grace and full of mercy. Nehemiah 9.17 says this, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that God's love is waiting to forgive you. How can we know God's love? How can we recognize God's love? It's because God's love forgives. That's what real love does. Real love forgives. Love is patient. Love is kind. He goes on, verse 6, that it rejoices in the truth, that it bears all things. The word bears means to cover, like to cover wrongdoing, to cover sin. It covers. It believes all things believes, it trusts in the best, it looks for the best, it identifies the best, that God looks down on you and he sees you and he believes the best, he hopes the best in you, believes there's something better to come, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. Do you need to hear that this morning? Are you struggling with some sort of sin? It has you just shackled. And you feel so unworthy of God's love that you almost didn't make it here this morning. Do you need to hear that God's love is patient? It endures. God's love is kind, it's merciful, and it forgives. Do you need to hear that his love never ends, that there's nothing that you can do that will stop him from loving you the way he's loving you right now? You need to allow the Lord to lift that burden from you. You need to start walking in truth. You need to start walking in the fact that you've been forgiven by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's nothing, according to the book of Romans, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Not height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor powers. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. Stop acting like you've been separated from God's love. His love is there for you. It never ceases. It never ends. I read a story about a young boy who was drawing a picture of God with his little set of crowns. And the dad comes up and looks down at the picture and says, son, what is it that you're drawing? And the little boy looks up at his dad and says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the dad looks kind of bewildered and he says to the son, son, nobody knows for sure what God looks like. How can you say you're drawing God? And the little boy looks at his dad and says, well, in about five minutes, the world is going to know what God looks like, <laughs> right? Because I'm drawing him right now, okay? Now, here's, here's the thing. We have this tendency in us that we want to have flesh on truth, that we, we want to be able to handle it and to hold it. We need to see it with our own eyes. And God knows this. So in the Old Testament, God called a prophet by the name of Hosea to be an object lesson for us of what God's love looks like. He says to Hosea, Hosea, I want for you to take a wife as your own who is a prostitute. And so Hosea marries a prostitute and Gomer is her name, and she bears a son to Hosea, and then bears two more children, but the scripture does not record that those children are Hosea's. They were 
the fruit of her prostitution. And so there in their family setting, there are these children that are not Hosea's. There's this wife that is unfaithful. And she even gets to the point, does Gomer, where she says, I'm going to go back to my lovers and chase my lovers and chase the world because my lovers gave me food and drink and oil and wine and I was satisfied more with my lovers than I am with my husband. And so she goes and she chases after her lovers. And God gave this picture to Israel saying, this is what I want Israel to see, that I've given them everything. I've given them land. I've given them wealth. I've given them territory. I've given them wines. Their vats overflow with oil. And yet still they chase after other gods. Still they're trying to find satisfaction and they take their worship to these high places on high hills under trees. And it shouldn't be so. I've been so faithful, but my people have not remained faithful. And so God comes to Hosea a second time and says to Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to find your wife and I want you to bring her back into your house. Here's a man who's raising children that aren't his own. And his wife has been selling her body to whomever has the right price. And Hosea goes to his wife, Gomer, and pays her price, half of the price of a slave and half of the price of a cow, gives her the money or the master the money, says, now you are mine. I have purchased you. You belong to me already because we were wed, but now I have purchased you. Now you must remain faithful to me. Now it's your duty because I bought you with a price. This is a picture of God's love for you. This is his devotion to you. Even when you were faithless, even when you were unfaithful, even when you chased other gods, even when you were trying to satisfy your flesh in other ways, God's eye was still upon you. His heart still belonged to you. And he chased you down to pull you out of that street and bring you back into his home. That is a picture of God's love. God's love is devoted to you. For God so loved the world. Is there anyone in this room that isn't a part of the world right now? If you are, then I'm scared. (laughs) Right? If you did not come from this world, then I'm scared. So you're a part of this world. That's available to all. There's no discrimination here. God so loved the world, all of us. Again, Romans 1.16 clearly states that the gospel is the power of God into salvation to the Jew first, but then to the Greek, that we're all welcomed in, that we're all loved equally, that God wants to bless us all with that salvation. God so loved the world. Your second point, God so loved the world that he gave. God's love is proven. The word gave means to express through sacrifice, to express through sacrifice. It's a gift that is given that shows the sacrifice on behalf of the giver, okay? Now, think about this just for a moment. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this than that he lay his life down for his friends. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. What more does God have to do to prove that devoted love to you than to give his son? What more can he do? What are you waiting for? What more proof do you require? It's insane 
to sit there and to think that God does not love you when you consider his sacrifice. And that's the second thing I want you to see. The first thing is that God's love forgives, but secondly, God's love sacrifices. It's not in your notes, just write it down somewhere. Humor me, right? God's love forgives and God's love sacrifices. That's what makes God's love different than the world's love, than the way that the world loves. The scripture says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed or lavished or showered upon you. Listen to this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. How do I know what love looks like? Because Jesus laid down his life for me. That's how I know what love looks like. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivorg website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivorg or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.